I know I've said it once already today, but it is a joy to be in God's house. I'm so thankful to be able to be here today and enjoy the freedoms that God's given us here, not only just in this country, but as Christians, that we have the freedom to come and worship. And I do have a message today. It is centered around a Thanksgiving message, but it may be uh, the opposite of what you may think. I've titled the message today, The Spirit of Unthankfulness. The Spirit of Unthankfulness. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to look at verses 1 through 5 this morning, Lord willing. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Here the Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for all the good songs and the spirit and the fellowship, God. We're praying now that you help us, Lord, keep this tongue from stammering. And God, may your word go out and do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. And may we lift you up and glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday season... Coming up just this Thursday, and uh, we need to set our turkey out of the freezer, by the way. Uh, they say, what is it, uh, uh, I don't remember, 24 hours for every five pounds? I think we got about a 100-pound turkey, so it's not going to be thawed. But we're approaching this holiday coming up Thursday, and I would like to think that everybody is looking forward to it and is thankful for all the things that God has blessed them with and looking forward to just spending time with family and, and just having a good time all because of what the Lord's blessed us with. Like I said, I would like to think that. But sadly, we know that that is not the case in most places. Now, there are still some of those that are adhering to the old-fashioned way of doing things like we do and, uh, you know, plan to have the family around the table and just eating to our heart's content and sitting around rubbing our bellies and nodding off afterwards. Uh, but uh, a lot of people, uh, Thanksgiving's become nothing more than uh, the day before Black Friday. And so they spend their whole Thanksgiving day looking through those uh, sale papers getting online, looking at the ads and uh, all the sales coming up. And listen, I'm, I'm going to make somebody mad today, and I understand that. Uh, those that love the Black Friday thing, I'm going to make you mad. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Uh, I despise Black Friday, and I'll just tell you right off, that's, that's just how I am. And so don't get mad, but uh, just go along with it. And I know a lot of people are that way. A lot of people love it. My, I've got family members that absolutely love it, and they, they look forward to that day all year long. But uh, for me, you won't find me doing Black Friday shopping. You won't find that. I would rather go, I'm so stubborn, I'd go on Saturday and pay twice the amount for it than to get a deal on Friday. I just would. And so um, in 2018, there was a report that came out that said that Tennessee was the second, the second highest risk state for Black Friday violence. Arkansas was number one, believe it or not. 
listen to this article from the Arkansas newspaper. According to a new study, Arkansas is the most dangerous state when it comes to Black Friday violence. Reviews.org reports shoppers in the natural state are at highest risk of violence that day. They base their findings on violent crime rates along with previous reports of Black Friday deaths and violence by state. The highest risk of Black Friday violence, number one, Arkansas. Number two, Tennessee. Number three, West Virginia. Number four, North Carolina. And number five, Alabama. We're talking some of the greatest states in the land of the free is the most violent on Black Friday. The lowest risk states, you're not going to believe this, is Vermont, Oregon, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Those people are so rich they don't need to have Black Friday, I guess. But the study also found that Walmart had a disproportionate number of incidents, uh, more than all other locations combined. Most likely, the study conceded because Walmart is the largest retailer in the U.S. Of the violent incidents that have occurred, you're more likely to be trampled as shoppers rush for the best deals. Shootings are a close second, comprising 26.7% of all violent incidents, followed by car incidents in the parking lot and stabbings. Boy, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Is that what people sitting around on, on Thanksgiving thinking about and, and waiting on that? There's even a website dedicated to keeping up with Black Friday violence. It's called Black Friday Death Count. You can go there, blackfridaydeathcount.com, and they show you how many people's died. It's, I mean, they've been keeping count of it for years. Died and uh, injured on Black Friday. Now, if that doesn't speak volumes about mankind today, I don't know what does. Look, it's not the fear of violence that puts me off of Black Friday. It's not the crowds that put me off. I don't like crowds, but it's not what it is. It's not all the hubbub and excitement over trying to get something that, with a good deal. I like good deals. It's not that. It's not even having to park a mile away from the door to get into the store that puts me off. I, I took my sister's. I used to take my sister Pam. She loved it. And I'd take her on Black Friday, and I'd sit in the car, and I'd, I'd, I'd have to park a mile away from the, the store for her to go in. And so what puts me off, though, for Black Friday is how much it's destroyed the spirit of Thanksgiving. How much families have gotten away from what Thanksgiving is about. Uh, and it reveals the true nature of most people, and that nature is a spirit of unthankfulness. A spirit of unthankfulness. Here in our opening text, written over 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, he's writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy. I love those letters to Timothy. They're, they're so comforting. And he's warning him, though, of a future time, a time period in which he calls the last days. I don't know about you, but being raised up in a Christian home, I've heard about the last days as far as I can remember. Uh, and I know preachers have been preaching about the last days uh, since for 2,000 years they've been preaching about it. They were expecting it in Paul's day. They were looking up, waiting for the Lord to come, and uh, they were expecting it. But it is coming. The last days is an interesting phrase, and if you look in throughout your King James Bible, you're going to find it mentioned several times. I found seven instances in Scripture, for those times, it's, it's pointing toward good things that's coming in, in the last days. But three of them describe the attitude of evil people, evil men, in the last days before the final judgment. And let me give you those real quickly. The first one, of course, is the one in our opening text here in Second Timothy 3 uh, and 1. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I, I used to have a pastor who called that 
peerless. I've heard that so many times, peerless. It's not peerless, it's perilous. It's full of peril. That means furious and fierce is what that word means. In other words, there's going to be a time coming, young Timothy, when the last days come, men are going to be furious, they're going to be fierce, it's going to be perilous times for you to live in. And these are dangerous times. And we see that long list of evil things that Paul mentions to him there, which we'll look at closer in just a moment. But the second instance there of the last days, we find in the book of James. He's describing how uh, men allow riches to corrupt them. Look at it there in James 5, 1 through 6, if you want. He says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Here he says, Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. The last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now notice that these men had cheated their laborers. They had reaped the benefits of the labor and lived in pleasure and condemned and killed the just people. Uh, that's, the, that's the spirit of unthankfulness if, if there ever was one. They've heaped treasures together for the last day, you know. But their treasures will do them absolutely no good when those last days come. In fact, they're going to speak against them. Uh, and listen, there's a lot of people today so wrapped up in, into gaining earthly treasures, storing it up and, and wanting to brag and, and go on about how, how much they've got and all the stuff they have. You know, people go out of their way to buy the, the most luxurious things so that they can show off to people they don't even know. It, it's ridiculous. And there's a good reason the Bible warns against riches. And it doesn't say that the money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. First Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And so we're seeing a lot of people in that particular condition today. Um, I truly believe we are in the last days. And if the Lord doesn't come today, uh, we're, we're still a day closer. Tomorrow will be even closer whenever the Lord's going to return and take us out of this place. But these last days, there's going to be men, the Bible talks about in this, in Second. Peter 3 and 3, he says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Uh, that certainly describes the America that we live in today. Scoffers walking after their own lust. They, they, they love to make fun of Christians. Uh, they love to tear down the church and anything that's holy or godly. Anything that uh, Jesus stands for, they love to tear that down and scoff and make fun of it. And the Bible says that's what's going to happen in the last days because these men are walking around in their own lust. Whatever it is that, that satisfies their flesh. And so in these last days, scoffers will dominate our society. They feed on their lust, their greed, the wealth, 
goods and merchandise, and they store up for themselves earthly treasures, which the Bible warns against. They love the world and the things of the world, and one of their most telling signs is they have a spirit of unthankfulness. Unthankfulness. I don't even think that's a real word, but I use it. Unthankfulness. Uh, look back at our opening text of that list of these most telling traits of unthankfulness. Uh, Paul writes about 19. There's 19 indicators of the last days. And, and I'll be honest with you today and let you know that all 19 of these things have been fulfilled. And so we, we just never know when that day is going to come. But look at it there, Second Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be. And here he starts listing off all 19 of these uh, indicators of men's uh, attitudes and the way people will be in the last days. He says lovers of their own selves, self-love, that's self-promotion, self-absorbed. Do you know there are over 92 million selfies taken per day in the world? 92 million selfies. If you don't want a selfie, I don't even have my phone with me. It's down there. But it's when you grab out your phone, you, you take a picture of yourself. And do you know there's some people that go uh, through the day taking hundreds of pictures of themselves and going through and scrutinizing each one so they can get the perfect one and upload it on social media to try to make everybody think that's what they look like all the time. <laughs> there's some of these, these young girls, that they go through all kinds of things to get the perfect selfie so that everybody will gush and go on, you know, give them likes and hearts and all this stuff. And, and you know, and they rarely ever even look like that selfie. <laughs> but 92 million a day. Do you know, from 2008 to 2021, 379 people have died taking selfies. It's becoming a pandemic. 379 people in that short amount of time dying taking selfies. They say the number one way to die taking a selfie is drowning. The second is by being hit by a train or a truck or a vehicle. Now they call it transport. The danger of transport. So anything that's moving that they step into the way of and, and get killed. Uh, and so the, all these, these ways that they're dying, people are going off to, to cliffs and hanging off the edges to take selfies to show off to everybody and falling off the cliffs and dying. Uh, it's, it's become crazy. And so men will be lovers of their own selves. Got to look at me. It's me, myself, and I. And everybody needs to love me. The second there in that list, he says they're covetous. That means they desire to have everything and they ha want to have it right now. I covet that. They see something, it catches their eye, or they notice that somebody else likes something. Well, they've got to have that thing that somebody likes so that they can be in possession of it. They covet that thing. The next one there is boasters. We live in the most braggadocious society ever to be on the face of the earth. And it's not only in the world, it's in the church too. There's some people that stand behind pulpits, the most braggadocious men I've ever seen in my life. Brag about this and brag about that. Listen, friends, we ain't got a thing to brag about. It's only by the grace of God that we woke up today and had another breath to breathe that we're able to even see to come to church. It's only by His grace. There's nothing we can do. But men become boasters. They want to brag about, look at what I did. They want to be exalted, lifted up, put on a pedestal. People bow down to them. Then that next one, proud. Proud. We're not proud, are we? Sure. Pride. Pride is the reason for all these sinful things. 
Pride, you could, you could put down almost every sin in this world and mark it down to the base of it being pride. People are proud, prideful, they want it, they want, want to be the best of everything. Now, I know there's a certain pride, like you, you have pride in your children, pride in your grandchildren, pride in your family, pride in things like that, but that's, that's just being grateful for what God's gave you kind of pride. It's not the kind of pride to say, well, my kid's much better than yours. You know, look how beautiful my kids, your kids are ugly. Look how beautiful. Now, that's prideful. <laughs> but uh, just uh, the pride in family and, and being where you're from. I'm proud to be an East Tennessean. I'm proud to be from Tennessee and uh, Corrington, Knoxville area. I, I, I'm proud of that. Um, I had no doing with it. God just blessed me to be able to be born here. But I'm proud to be an American. I can go overseas somewhere, and they say, where are you from? I'm from America. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest state in the land of the free, Tennessee. And so uh, it's, that's one thing. But, but pride, what it, you, is a, is a, is you're just ready to fall uh, when you're wanting everyone to exalt you and to look at you like you're better than everyone and everything else. And that, that's the base of it. People want to feel like they are better than everybody else and have more things and, and all that. And the next one there is blasphemers. Uh, that really is having no respect for God, no respect for the church, no respect for Christianity, just no respect for godly things, blaspheming against it. Uh, somebody come in here and just uh, cut down everything that we do and everything that, that God stands for, just blaspheme against him. And I know there's a blaspheming where you, you use the Lord's name in vain, and that's also blasphemy. But anything that goes contradictory to what God stands for is blasphemy. Uh, taking God's word out of context, that's blasphemy. Using it for your own good, that's blasphemy. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's one of those signs that we'll see, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Oh, we ain't gotten much kids in here today. Uh, they, they had to leave for some reason. But uh, 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 disobedient parents, that's not just for kids. That's for Older people, too. I mean, my parents now are both gone, and uh, I'm so thankful that I had the parents that I had. I wouldn't have wanted any others. Uh, but i tell you what, um, people today treating their parents uh, with it's just awful. I mean, it's, it's awful the way you see some of these kids talking to their parents and treating them. And they'll not allow that, for one thing. If you're a parent and you've got a child, uh, you're the parent. <laughs> and so, uh, but today, people are disobedient to parents. Uh, I've seen older people, once their parents get uh, to a certain age and they're unable to do things, how they could care less for them, just throw them in a room, leave them, whatever. I know there's times that we have to allow them to go to places if we can't take care of them, uh, for others to take care of them. But to just completely forget about your parents, the ones that uh, brought you into this world and raised you and loved you, uh, disobedient to parents, that is one of the signs, and we see it everywhere. That next one, unthankful, and that's where I was trying to get to, the spirit of unthankfulness. Everybody is unthankful about everything today. Uh, I mean, you can't do anything good for somebody just out of the, the, the goodness of your heart and see that they're thankful for it. People don't care anymore. They feel like they're uh, supposed to get things, like they're entitled to things. And so you don't find uh, very many thankful people. We'll look more at that here in just a minute, but look at the next one there, unholy. People actually go out of their way to be unholy these days. They want to look as unholy as possible. They don't want to look like a Christian. We want to uh, look like the world looks and like something the dog dragged in. Uh, I want to be unholy. That's, the, that's what their thoughts are. 
uh, without natural affection. Boy, isn't that one come to light? People without natural affection. We all know what that is. Mothers today selling their own children into prostitution, uh, doing things uh, with, for, with their kids, uh, not having that natural affection a mother has for children. Uh, women that give up their, the child in their womb, that's, that's not having a natural affection. That ought to be the safest place on, on earth is inside the mother's womb, but now it's become one of the most dangerous and so no natural affection. And then, of course, we got uh, people of the same sex claiming they're in love with each other. That's unnatural. That's not natural. Um, look at that next one, truce breakers. You know, nothing is binding anymore. You can't rely upon a contract. You can't rely upon a handshake these days. Uh, used to be when you had something, a deal going on, you could shake somebody's hand and you didn't have to worry about it. Nowadays, <laughs> you better watch that hand you shake. It's nothing but a slimy fish. And uh, they don't mean it. And so there is no, uh, there's truce breakers everywhere today. False accusers, over and over and over, you hear people accusing people of things they didn't do. And uh, it, it's just horrible. Um, preachers have become to a lot of that. There's a lot of people that go around uh, false accusing preachers of things just because they get mad at what the preacher preaches. Um, that next one, in, incontinent. That's a King James word we don't ever use. It's ha it means having no self-control. To indulge in perversion and wickedness. That's what that word means. And so people are out of control and they want to indulge in all kinds of wickedness and evil things these days. The next one lists there is fierce. That means being savage, brutal, having no compassion on other people. And then despisers of those that are good. Yeah, that's the way it is today. The good guy is the bad guy now, and the bad guy is the good guy. Everybody's rooting for the bad guy now. Used to be, you were looking for Gene Autry riding in with his, on his horse and a white hat, and he's the good guy. Nowadays, they want the bad guy. They want the guy on the black horse and the black hat to come in and kill everybody. And he's become the hero. Uh, well, that's the way it is in these last days. Uh, despisers of those that are good. They despise the church for doing good things, you know. You do, what are you doing for those people, those homeless people? Why in the world do you give them uh, money or food or anything like that? You know, why don't you give it to you know, the, the Green Society or something? Um, then we have traitors. There's no loyalty these days. People will sell you out in a second. They'll tr they're traitors. They're worse than uh, uh, all those, uh, those traitors. Look at the next one. They're heady. That means reckless and with wild aban abandonment, heady. Uh, people are reckless with wild abandonment these days. High-minded, that means you're blinded with your own pride and arrogance. High-minded. Well, I know some people like that. They're, they're so into their selves and so their head's so big they can't hardly get through the door. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, that one's pretty self-explanatory, I believe. Isn't everybody out for their own pleasure these days? They could care less about the things of God. And in that last part there, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Boy, there is a lot of that going on these days. People that look the part, but they really don't act the part. If you could see them behind closed doors, they're not the real deal. They have a form of godliness. Oh, they can come in and say all the right words, wear the right clothes, right, or carry the right Bible. They have a form of godliness, but they don't have the power of God on them. They don't know God. And so we'll see a lot of that in these last days. We're seeing it now. 
Uh, what else about those hucksters on TV, those televangelists get on there and rob everybody of their money and everything? Oh, they have a form of godliness. They've got a lot of people fooled, but it's just a form. There's no power of God there. And so that seventh item in that list, they're unthankful. The spirit of unthankfulness. And that is a mark of the wicked in these days, uh, in the last days. And it's here in the day that we live in. It's a spirit of dark, it's evil, and uh, it's, uh, it's sinful. Have you ever helped somebody and um, they didn't thank you? That's, uh, you know, that used to didn't happen. But nowadays, you help somebody and they, they expect it. They think that they deserve it. I'll tell this story, and uh, a couple of years ago, there was this man and woman. They were from Branson, Missouri. They were traveling through Knoxville on their way to North Carolina to visit their son for Christmas. And they were looking for a good church, a good King James church, and they stopped at the one I was pastoring, stopped in there to, uh, to worship with us. And, uh, boy, they were they're great. I, I loved them to death. And uh, they, uh, they came in, joined right in at the service, uh, amen the preaching, sung with us. At the end of the service, we all gathered around the altar, and we sung Christmas carols together. They were right there with us. Boy, they, you would have thought they belonged to our church. And these were complete strangers. I'd never met them before in my life, never even heard of them. And uh, I was standing at the door on, the, on everybody's way out, like I always do, shaking hands. And uh, this couple comes up, and they said, we just want you to know that we were looking for a place like our church over in Branson, Missouri. And we found it right here in Knoxville. You have treated us just like family. And, you know, anytime we come through, we're going to stop in here at your church. And uh, thank you. And he reached out to shake my hand and pressed money into my hand. And a lot of people do that uh, at times. So I'm uncomfortable with it. But that's what he did. And I just crammed it in my pocket, didn't think nothing about it. And uh, everybody left. We locked up and everything. And uh, I reached in my pocket and got that money out and looked at it. He had gave me $300 cash right there in my hand. And uh, immediately, God impressed upon my heart that there was this couple that I knew that was in desperate need. They needed money. And so immediately, me and Mary got in the car, and we drove to this couple's house. We took them fruit baskets and $300 cash, drove up there. They come out of the house, and I gave it to them. Not a single thank you. It's like they were just expecting of it. And like, like it was nothing. They treated, treated it like it was absolutely nothing. Now I was not trying to look for praise or glory or anything like that, but there was just a spirit of unthankfulness. And I knew these people needed money. I mean, they were already uh, getting the, the notices. They were going to get their lights cut off, their water cut off, and all these things. They were in need, and yet they, it was like they didn't care. And uh, we brought man, and I, I left them there thinking, well, maybe I just misread it, God. I, maybe that wasn't what <laughs> what you intended. But uh, oh, listen, I said all that to say this: that couple that visited us from Branson. A week later, I received in the mail a, a letter from them. In that letter, they put this little Bible tract in it. I've carried it ever since. It's been years ago. Smile, somebody loves you. They've got a little tract here. Do you ever think nobody loves me? You're wrong. Even the even if the whole world stopped loving you, God never would. He loves you, not because you are sweet and good, but because God is love. He loved you long before you were born. He loves everyone, good and bad, black and white, rich and poor. 
And to prove his love, God sent his son Jesus to be punished for our sins. It goes on to explain the, the, the way of salvation, eternal life. And uh, Branson Baptist Church uh, never met the people, but boy, they become just uh, part of it, part of us. And I'm so thankful for that, that God placed them in our lives at that point. I've not met them since. I've not talked to them since. But uh, what an impression that made upon me, and I am truly thankful for that. But when I got that, I started thinking, you know what? God still loves those people that we gave that stuff to that seemed like they thought they deserved it and, and didn't thank us at all. But I'm glad there's still good people in this world. Even though we are in the last days, we see signs of the wickedness that's around us, but there's also signs of good people. There's still good Christian, good-hearted people in this world. But why would a Christian have a spirit of unthankfulness about them? I mean, think about it. We're given the fruits of the Spirit when we're saved. We, we have that access to this, the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and all these things that God gives us. What would cause us to be unthankful? Well, one of those is doubt. We doubt um, things about God. We doubt his character. We, we doubt uh, maybe that his word is not uh, the truth. There are some people today that, that actually doubt things in God's words. They say they believe one thing and don't believe the other. I believe you have to believe it all if you believe any of it. Uh, people doubt his will and his wisdom, his love. And if, if we continue to doubt God, then we'll never be thankful. Another thing that uh, causes us to be unthankful is selfishness. Selfishness. You know, I don't want things the way God has got them going in my life. I want them the way I want them. Uh, in other words, we think that we need to be in charge instead of God. Selfishness is unthankful. Worldliness. All we care about stuff, money, homes, cars, jewelry, whatever it may be. Even guns. I love guns. I collect guns. I've got them all, all over the house. I'm not going to tell you where they're at either in case I have to shoot somebody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyway... Um, but I'd give up those guns in a heartbeat. I mean, they're not the world to me. Uh, but we get wrapped up in the world's things. As long as we're looking for those kinds of things, we're not going to be thankful to God. Another thing that makes us unthankful is having a critical spirit. Well, that's easy to do, by the way, friends. If you're not careful, you'll become critical before you know it. Being negative, sour about everything. You can't be thankful when you're like that because you're miserable. You know, people feel like they got to criticize everything. Some people come to church, they sit down and look for things to criticize instead of what they can be thankful for and what they can pray to God about, to God bless. No, they sit around and say, oh, that, that singing was terrible. Oh, he don't need to be singing. Oh, that's, that's horrible. I don't know why in the world they did that. That pre Boy, that was a terrible message. I don't know why. He can't speak. He can't. And so people sit around and are critical like that. Uh, you can't be thankful as long as you have a critical spirit impatient you know god's not following my timetable he's not doing things the way i want him to and we want everything we want it right now we're not willing to wait on the lord for anything as long as we're that way and we think that god works for us instead of us working for him that's not how it works god's the boss not us but we become impatient and when we're impatient we're not thankful coldness coldness and spirit no spirit about us, satisfied with being lethargic, not reading our Bible, not praying, not doing the things of God. We become cold in rebellion. You know, I'm not thankful, and that's just the way I am. You've got to accept me the way I am. And that's just the way it is. God made me that way. 
You ever heard anybody say that? You know, why are you like that? That's the way God made me. Really, God made you a sour, old, bitter thing like that? Are you sure? And people, they become rebellious. They're going to be mad at the world. You know, I'm mad at the world, and I'm going to continue to be mad at the world. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Those are just seven things that uh, quickly came to my mind. Doubt, selfishness, worldliness, critical spirit, impatient, coldness, and rebellion. And all those things give us an unthankful spirit. Now listen, each one of these things that I just mentioned, and all those, those indicators that Paul mentions to Timothy in our text there, each one of them is a direct blow to God and everything that he stands for. We'll never be thankful until our hearts reflect the love of God in them. The truth is, as many problems as this country has, it's still the greatest place to live. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. God has blessed us with so many good things. I'm afraid most of the time we take God's good things for granted. We're like that couple. God says here, I'm blessing you with this. And we thought, I deserve that. How many times have we thanked God for all the things that he's done for us? If it was nothing more than lifting your head off your pillow this morning, we ought to thank God. That little cup of coffee that I had before we come to church, I thank the Lord for that. Lastly, the Apostle Paul, writing the church at Colossae, he says this in Colossians 3 and 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. I pray as Thanksgiving comes this week that each and every one of us will stop and will think about all the blessings God's bestowed upon us. If I started standing here and naming off everything that God has blessed me with, we'd be here till next Sunday. And uh, I tell you, God's good. He's so good. I, I'm just I'm guilty sometimes of neglecting being thankful to God for all the, the things he's blessed us with. But I pray that uh, this year God will bless you richly and we'll bless him. You know, a lot of people say, God bless us. Let's bless God. Amen. Let's all stand together. Brother Scott, if you want to come get a song together and we'll, we'll pray. If you need help today for any reason, whether it be salvation, the backslidden condition, or if you just need to pray, uh, the altar's open, you come down. If you want me to pray with you, I'd be glad to you, but let's all pray together at this time. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message. Lord, I'm thankful today for your word and for everything that you tell us, Lord. God, I'm praying for each individual in this church today. God, you know the hearts of each one. Lord, there's many that's struggling right now in this Thanksgiving season. God, we're praying that you help them, help those that are struggling uh, physically, uh, spiritually, mentally financially, whatever it is they're going through, God, we know you know all things. God, would you help them with it? Lord, if, if not taking them out of the problem, Lord, just to lift in their spirit to be able to get through it. Lord, we pray for that one today that may be listening to this message and is lost, God. Maybe they don't understand what we've been talking about, but God, maybe you've been convicting them. Through the Holy Spirit, God, their lost condition, that they need to be saved before it's too late. Lord, would you convict their heart? Show them the need to be saved, God. Help us, Lord. Lord, help us today. As we sing this invitation song, help them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, brother.